Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside we take a story from folklore and mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 79 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast we're telling a story about the patron saint of my home county of Wicklow and indeed my own namesake, Saint Kevin. But first, I want to say a big welcome to any first-time listeners. If you enjoy this episode, why don't you go right back to the very beginning and see what we've been building up to for the last year and a half. And if you are one of our returning listeners, thank you so much for your continued support. Please do uh, continue to enjoy and listen to the podcast as much as you want. Uh, Thank you so much. Um, If you like the podcast, please do continue to subscribe leave ratings comments subscriptions all of that crack wherever you get your podcasts follow me on instagram at fireside bard best place to get in touch with me and see what i'm up to and the latest info about the podcast and if you really want to support me also if you don't have instagram you can get and you want to get in touch with me you can do so by email at thefiresidebard at gmail.com and if you really want to support the podcast you can do so at patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast where you can join our growing list of very generous loyal benefactors thank you to each and every one of them but that is the egalitarian model it's there if you want and if not i am still going to continue to release rights from record and release these podcasts each and every week as long as you're there to listen to them I am coming to you once again from my home setup in uh, my home of Wicklow. We are into phase, nearly in phase four of the easing of the lockdown um, during the COVID-19 experience of 2020. And it nearly feels like uh, it was midsummer yesterday. So we're on the latter half of the year now. And hopefully, well, it seems like most people are starting to get back to normal, certainly in Ireland while there's just a, a gentle loom of uh, of the virus still in the background here, threatening to come back at any moment. We're still all on tender hooks, and certainly me as an artist, if there is no, no uh, sign of things easing back to normal. There are, I'm thankful to say, there are theatres that are starting to be allowed to open at some capacity, which is fantastic, and hopefully if the virus just gets more and more under control and the vaccine becomes more and more available, uh, theatres and cinemas and comedy clubs and all kinds of arts venues will be be able to open up as normal, because I think I speak for a lot of people when I say that uh, people will be gagging for a bit of live entertainment out of all of this. I'll be gagging to not only perform it, but to experience it myself. But in the meantime, I am still here every week 
with the podcast in Wicklow until I can return to the beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network in Dublin, which is reopening today, I'm delighted to announce. So it is finally uh, available for me to come back up to when I'm able to move back up to Dublin. I've been keeping my apartment on in Dublin, but I've been uh, quarantining in my family home to give my my folks a bit of a dig out and uh, to just focus on my own things and focus on a lot of writing and a lot of uh, creating of various things and a lot of music um, in a in more of a secluded private space. I've got a lot of uh, got a lot of things in the pipeline which is one of my least favorite expressions, but it is it is true, and I look forward to sharing them with each of you. Big plans over at Head Stuff as well, which they'll be announcing in the coming weeks, which I'm very excited to share with you all. But I'm going to get down to the story now. This is a story that uh, I did find in, uh, I think it's the last story we're going to use from uh, Wicklow Folktales by Brendan Nolan. It's been brilliant uh, exploring different folktales from my home county. And it is a, a big series of books, uh, the Fotels books from, um, I forget the publisher's name. I have the book here. Where is it? Because I think it's an independent publisher. So I would, yeah. yeah, it's the History Press of Ireland. Um, and they did a, a Fotels book for every county. I assume there's every county. I have seen a lot of them in Hodgson Figgis up in Dublin. Um, and I definitely do want to explore some of the other counties uh, that are dear to my heart now that I've done my home county. Um, and I've got great stories out of the Wicklow Folktales book that I hope you've enjoyed. And it's been really nice writing them while I've been in Wicklow, while I've been getting to know my hometown and my home county again, which was a place, this was a place I always didn't have a great association with. I didn't have the best time growing up here. And I very much have adopted Dublin as uh, as my second home when I moved up there when I was 19 I really really love Dublin as a city but it's really nice now to uh, feel I have a bit more of an association with my hometown again which is uh, that is good going but this story this was a story I found in or I certainly got my title from the name it has in the book but this is a story I did know before and actually had more or less adapted before um, any of the listeners out there who might have been at the Fireside live podcast as part of the Dublin Podcast Festival back in November, I know there was a few of you there, um, may remember that I read an extract from a show I was developing called The Fireside Bard, and this story featured a part of that show. And so when I found this in the book, I repurposed some of what I had written for that show and uh, amalgamated this for this new story. And it was really nice to revisit that tale from the show. And I'll talk a bit more about that afterwards. But uh, here is uh, one of my... I love the title of this now as well. But this is Bedding St. Kevin on Fireside. Bedding St. Kevin. Little is known of the pre-religious life of St. Kevin of Glendalock. It was thought he was high-born to parents named Cumlig and Cummel of Leinster. The baby was supposedly so beautiful, and it was thought he would accomplish such great things, that his parents gave him a new name, never before used, Chumgan, or Cuivin, meaning the fair begotten. Cuivin became Kevin, became Kevin. 
The young Kevin always had a great love for animals, and animals were always drawn to him. When he was still a baby, a mysterious white cow used to appear every day to produce milk especially for Kevin. When Kevin was still a child, he became a shepherd, and one day a very poor family came to him and asked him to donate some sheep. Kevin felt for them and donated four sheep to the family. Yet when he counted his sheep that night, he found there were still as many there as had been that morning. Kevin found he was bound for a holy life and became ordained as a monk. Very soon he began to attract people from all over to his sermons. And as it would turn out, Kevin would have better luck with animals than he would with people. There was a high-born young woman named Kathleen who was drawn to this beautiful young monk. But it soon became clear that Kathleen's interests were beyond the spiritual. She fell madly in love with the young Kevin, much to the dismay of the young monk bound for sainthood. Frequently, Kevin tried to assuage Kathleen's affections. Would you go away, said Kevin. I'm a monk. You're only gorgeous is what you are, Kathleen would reply. So eventually Kevin decided he needed to get away. He wanted to find a place for a quiet retreat, away from people, but mostly away from Kathleen. So Kevin trekked through the Wicklow Mountains until he found a valley hugged by the hills all around. A place that was private, uninhabited and peaceful. Just wilderness and wildlife. The place was Glendalough, which gets its name from a lake between two glens. One glen was never enough for St. Kevin. Glendalough was a place absolutely bustling with wildlife. He found himself a cave just below Lugduff, safe and inaccessible, which came out onto a cliff overlooking the beautiful lake water. Kevin stripped off all his clothes, dressed in a wolf skin, and went about having the crack. It turned out the cave Kevin dwelt in was a Celtic bronze tomb, but it has since been renamed St. Kevin's Bed. And he never stopped being sound to animals either. One day Kevin stuck his hand outside the cave to see if it was raining, and a blackbird came by and lay an egg in his hand. And sure didn't Kevin stay in that spot, acting as a tree, until the egg hatched. Kathleen never gave up her pursuit. She delved through the mountains and valleys in search of her beloved Kevin, but to no avail. But loyal as Kevin was to animals, it was an animal who would betray him. The future saint had a pet wolf, a wolf who knew his movements and activities far more than he gave it credit for. Kathleen knew the wolf, and one day she saw the beast who led her straight to St. Kevin's bed. In a reversal of a traditional fairy tale, Kathleen crept into the cave and came upon the sleeping Kevin. Even hairy, dirty, and covered in wolf pelt, the young monk was gorgeous. Kathleen leaned in for the kiss. When Kevin awoke, he was horrified. What are you doing here? How did you find me? True love has led me here. Now give us a kiss. Kevin really did not know what to do. He did not want to be cruel to Kathleen, but what more could he do? If going to live in a cave hadn't given her the hint, he didn't know what would. So in a flash of madness, Kevin ran from the cave and dove into a bed of nettles. 
sore, pink and itchy, he emerged from the bush and said, How about now? Do you still want me? Of course, said Kathleen. I love a man who's at one with nature, and you're so good with animals too. Like most good stories of folklore, what happened next is quite disputed. Some say the future saint got down on his knees and prayed. Prayed for the thing he most desired. To be left alone. To be rid of Kathleen for good. While others say Kevin took two sticks, rubbed them together, lit a fire, let it kindle among some overgrown weeds, and then took the burning weeds and hurled them in Kathleen's face. True story. A woman pursued St. Kevin so much he set her on fire, like a witch trial. The flames sent Kathleen hurling over the cliff's edge, and she plunged into the depths of the Glendalough Lake below. Did she drown? Did she survive? We don't know. But what we do know is she never bothered Kevin of Glendalough again. The last known sighting of Kathleen was at the edge of the waters of Glendalough, drying her hair and clothes, trying to wring every last drop of Wicklow water from herself to be rid of the lake and St. Kevin forever. But it is said that the fire without extinguished the fire within. The fire without extinguished the fire within. You'd hope that, wouldn't you? That setting someone on fire would let them know you weren't that into them. But how did this animal lover who set people on fire, how did he become a saint? Well, that story involves a goose. The king of Glendalough at the time was named O'Toole, and King O'Toole had a pet goose. But King O'Toole and his goose were very old, and the king feared old Goosey would die before he would. The king had heard that there was this crazy young man who lived in a cave who had a very special way with animals. So he went to Kevin and said, Can you make my goose loose again? I mean, I mean, can you make my goose young again? And Kevin considered this and said, I will heal your goose if you give me all the land that your goose can fly over. Deal, said the king. Idiot, he thought. My goose is old. He couldn't fly over your cave. Stupid man. King O'Toole didn't anticipate how successful Kevin would be. Within a day, the goose was as loose as he had been on his first day in the house, and the newly rejuvenated bird took flight and flew across the entire area of Glendalough. Bollocks, said the king. He was happy his goose was well again, but as a trade-off, he had to give the entire land of Glendalough to this caveman. And the newly named Kevin of Glendalough thought, All this room to gallop, but no horses. I suppose I should build a monastery. And he did just that. He built a monastery and became abbot to a new generation of monks, who like a virus spread Christianity across the entire land south of Dublin and north of Wexford and Carlow. This was an area not even St. Patrick could spread to, but crazy Kevin did it. But the abbot of these lands has a more sorrowful end. He wasn't martyred or anything like that. Once the monastery was built and bowed Christianity was being spread all over the shop, Kevin wanted to get back to what he loved best, roaming the lands, living in caves, being used as a tree. He thought he'd just up and leave, when one of his monks said to him, A bird does not hatch her eggs while on the wing. 
He knew that kind of crack would get through to the animal-obsessed Kevin. They needed him to stay there and run the monastery. So he did. Until he died. And that is the story of Kevin of Glendalough, the Disney princess of Irish saints. He lived in the woods, talked to the animals, and was ruthlessly pursued by someone he didn't even know. The End And that was Betting St. Kevin on Fireside. I hope you enjoyed it. This was... Yeah, I enjoyed doing that now, I have to say. Because, um, yeah, I developed uh, a script. I was meant to take a show to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year, which, of all of the work that I was uh, disappointed to lose, um, was probably the thing I was most upset about, or most disappointed by, certainly, um, was the cancellation of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. It was going to be my first time going there and I was in final negotiations with a couple of venues um, and I was going to be taking a, a live show of Fireside that I've been developing um, for a good while. Um, but of course, I have that show ready to go and that show just continues to get developed and becomes better and better. And I'll probably be a lot happier taking it next year because I'll have a much tighter, much better show and the more this podcast grows uh, the better chance I'll have of getting my audiences there and the better I feel a writer I become a better storyteller I become so time is on my side in that regard but of course it was disappointing um to have the festival cancelled for thousands of artists um no certainly certainly not just me um but I read a very early extract of what that show was becoming um, back in November at the Fireside Sessions live show. And my reading of it I used on some of my applications for the festival. And yeah, this story in a form was in that show and probably will remain in that show. And I kind of took bits of it and repurposed it because there was a lot of new information that I actually didn't know. Because yes, my name is Kevin, who is the patron saint of my home county of Wicklow. So yes, of course, you would believe that I had been named after him. Regrettably, that's not entirely the truth. Uh, anyone who knows me personally will probably know this story as well. I am actually named after uh, Kevin Webster, <coughs> who is uh, the mechanic character in the uh, long-running British soap opera Coronation Street. Yeah, when I was a baby, my name was uh, picked out of a hat and uh, there was a number of Coronation Street characters in it. So I could have also been named Ken as well. That could have been my name too. But Kevin came out. Now, uh, my dad likes to think it's a happy coincidence, so he likes to say that I'm named after St. Kevin and I would certainly tell that to certain people. But yeah, the truth of it, of, of the matter is uh, it's Kevin Webster from Coronation Street. But I have, uh, I developed a part in the show where I talk about the origin of my name, and that is where the origin of the name Kevin, or Cuivin, as is its Gaelic origin, um, and Cuivin was anglicised as Kevin, because Cuivin was spelt uh, C-A-O-I-M-H-I-Father-N, uh, because the Irish language only uses 18 letters of the Latin alphabet. So there is no V and there is no K. So that is where the C, the CAO and the uh, MH letters come from. It's uh, it's the main reason that uh, P 
people not from Ireland struggle with pronouncing Irish names so much is because we don't have our because we don't have uh, V's so uh, V's to us are BH's and DH's so for example the name Sive uh, not an uncommon Irish name can be spelt a variety of ways but a way of spelling it can be S-A-D-H-B-H which you can understand if you're not from here would uh, or don't have a language that operates under similar rules would wonder how do you get a V sound from D-H-B-H but that's why because we don't actually have a V at all um, and so when the name Quivine was anglicised, it got a K and it got a V and it became Kevin. But so I've always had this interest of the name of Kevin and um, of Kevin of Glendalough because even though I, I try to distance myself from any of the religious aspects of the mythology because the Christianizing of the stories changed them to suit Christianity rather than changed them to suit what best suited them as stories, um this is there's a bit more fun with this uh there's a lot of great stories about the saints because of course the saints aren't talked about for the most part anyway or certainly none of the irish ones aren't talked about in the bible uh so they're much more characters of folklore um as well as you know built statues of and that kind of crack so yeah obviously there was a person named kevin who went and build, built a monastery in Glendalough and he became St. Kevin. But there is this story from folklore that the reason he landed in Glendalough was because he was pursued by this woman, this woman who was in love with him. And I love it. Yeah, I love calling him the Disney princess of Irish saints because it is a fantastic reversal of uh, of a traditional fairy tale. You know, the things that... Uh, Disney so metatextually comments on in all of their movies now where they criticize their past movies and the idea of uh, of uh, true love and um, you know falling in love with someone you just met all of the princes who just show up and the princesses fall in love with them it's a lovely kind of satirical reversal of that where it is the woman recklessly pursuing St. Kevin uh, who ha- doesn't know her and has no interest in uh, in being with her or can't bring himself to be with her because he's been ordained as a monk and uh, he's bound for sainthood and also it's uh, I'm sure maybe from a religious point of view that this story could be used as uh, how he was able to resist and remain celibate and all so you could see it being used from both sides but yeah those are elements in it that's uh, the best part that he lights well he jumps into a bed of nettles first that's great crack and then yeah he lights he lights her on fire. Uh, but the falling into the lake was something that I got from the Brenda Nolan book. That was a new piece of information. I really liked that. I love the image of her ringing Glendalough and ringing Kevin out of her clothes. That's a phenomenal image and I love that so much. But yeah, obviously some of this story had been written and there was some teething problems of copying and pasting. There was some bits I had to take out that didn't work as much in this context but what I like about the essence that's still there is uh, there are stories I adapt which are really good. A lot of the ones, a lot of the versions of the stories, some versions I find of these stories are perfect, you know, that like, and it sometimes can feel that all I'm doing is making them worse by putting them into my own words. But not all the time. And not a lot of the time, to be fair. That's only sometimes. And I feel that's just more a testament to how good the stories are, you know. Um, but as I say, like I consider myself a storyteller more than a narrator, so 
even if it is just saying it in my own words, even if I'm not changing any of the plot lines, even if I'm not adding anything really of note to the stories or taking anything away, I still prefer to do it in my own words. I feel I learn, I I take on the stories more, I feel like I'm collecting them a bit more and I feel that I grow as a writer and as a storyteller by adapting them rather than reading them. I've really found that with adapting the Oscar Wilde stories, which I'll be doing the last one of next week. Um, they're basically perfect. Um, and it's trickier because they're original stories by him. You know, they aren't folk tales, so it requires a different kind of hand. But I'm learning an awful lot from them and learning to, you know, trust just trust the process of telling them in my own words and not feeling like I have to change things for the sake of it. And I'm very open about that, especially with them, of telling people, go and read, you know, go and read the real stories. The Brendan Nolan Folktales book is a funny one. Yeah, it's really good, um, and I'm really grateful for it. But a lot of the time, they aren't stories per se. They're more little tidbits. So there's been a few times where it will have a story name so take the Fear Gertok, for example, the, the Hungry Grass story that we did last time, or two weeks ago. That was more just a couple of different instances and a couple of different bits rather than it being a full story. And I had to kind of make a story out of that, which I quite liked because I felt that I could really bring something to the table with it. But then you have the Oscar Wilde stories where they're basically word for word perfect and you're just putting them in your own words. But this story here, this betting St. Kevin, this really feels like me because I did just kind of make this from nothing when I developed it for the Fireside Bard script. I was looking at like histories of St. Kevin, but I wasn't really adapting it from a specific text. Um, but then when I went, when there was a version of this story in the Brenda Nolan book, which I only read a few weeks ago, I was combining the two and getting great pieces from the book, but it still largely feels like it's really my piece. It really feels like my voice in it. And I really like that. And it's really nice to feel that. And uh, it's good when I feel that because I feel like I can introduce it then into other stories as well. But that was a little tangent there. Connected though. And I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you enjoyed the story and the episode. I'm going to wrap things up now. Um, thank you so much for listening. It was your first time welcome if you're returning thank you so much uh please do continue to subscribe leave ratings reviews follow me on instagram at fireside bard email me at the fireside bard at gmail.com follow the patreon at patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast thank you so much to jamie my editor thank you to alan and patty at headstuff and thank you again to all of you for listening i'll see you all you'll hear me all next time and remember wherever you are and wherever you go you can always join me by the fireside this podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.